0: Thank you. I'm excited to be here once again and open the Bible, give a word from God. And this week it is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to read all of 1 Corinthians 7, nothing but 1 Corinthians 7. You can see by the title and the outline that the topic today is singleness and marriage. There are many pages in the Bible to gain God's instruction for marriage and parenting, there are few pages in the Bible that specifically address singleness, and nowhere else like this one. So, especially if your relationship status is single, listen up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, strange as it sounds, some people don't know if they're single or married. So I want you to, I want you to make this clear just so you know where I stand. Living together is not the same thing as being married. Now, I could preach a 45-minute mes- message from the Bible on that topic, But I have had at least two people look me in the eye and tell me we are married in the sight of God, but not under the law. And I look at those people and I tell them I'm pretty sure that God calls it adultery before our culture does. But the reason is, and this happens in Charlotte County frequently, well, if I get married... I lose social security benefits, pensions, etc. So I want you to know that if you come to my office with that scenario, I will give you the same counsel as I give to anyone else who is living together. And I will say that what you are doing is not right. So let's figure out a way to make it right. And the The path forward from there varies. For some people, the right choice is to get married. And for some people, it is to end the relationship. And it might be complex in between. But that is not an option for Christians to live together without being married. In the church, we do and should put a high value on marriage. We should promote it. Protect it. We should teach others how to thrive in our marriages. Every spouse in this room has room for improvement, especially me. The state of the family in our country is precarious, it's a mess. And the church has the answers. The Bible has the answers. God has the answers for our problems in which we have put ourselves. But sometimes the single person in the room feels left out. I speak from experience. I, Well, I became a Christian at age four and I was married at age 32. So I was a single Christian for 28 years. But from age 24 to age 29, I lived alone, and people would ask me, doesn't it feel lonely? And my answer was very quick to to reply, when I was home alone, no, I did not feel lonely. But I will tell you what place I did, going to church and sitting alone alone. Other places as well, but especially there. Now, while you likely can identify yourself as single or married, I want you to know that your relationship status does not define who you are. We all have a stake in each other. Married Christians need to know what it's like to be a single Christian in this culture. And single Christians need to know what it's like to be a married person in this culture. But picture two church members walking in the door. One of them happens to be married, one of them is single. They both are coming in here as believers in Jesus, having been gifted by the Holy Spirit for ministry, and they both are equally important to the ministry of this church. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the very, he starts out by saying, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me. So Paul is answering questions But we are not told what the questions were. We are only given the answers. This is like jeopardy. (laughs) Did they ask questions like, was it wrong to stay single? Uh, Did they wonder, in a very promiscuous sexual culture that the city of Corinth was in, did they say, is sex still okay within marriage? Did they wonder if widows should remarry? Did they ask if Christians should leave their godless spouses? Did they ask how close to sex can you get without actually sinning? No, they probably didn't ask that question. But people in our day do. And I'm not going to be any more explicit than that right here from the pulpit. But I've been asked questions about is what I am doing a sin because it's not technically sex. And the answer is yes, it is. Now, I'm going to read... 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And it's a little bit longer of a passage than we normally will read, but I think that you will see why I'm going to read the entire passage. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, Because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now to the married I command... Yet not I, but the Lord, a wife, is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, If any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, Let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? But as God has distributed to each one, As the Lord has called each one, so let him walk, and so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife, but. Even if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, that from now on, even those who have wives should be as those who have none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as those they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, How he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy, both in body and in spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit. Not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well." So then, he who gives her in marriage does well. But he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment, And I think I also have the spirit of God. Father, help us to understand your instruction in these matters. What you have to say about this is way more important than what anybody else does. So help us understand this chapter together. In the name of Jesus, amen. I hope this came across, but the first bullet point is this. Both singleness and marriage have God's blessing. I was a freshman in Bible college, and I was living in the dorm, and I was working um, in in the afternoon. And I got home from work, and I went to the library to do some homework. And I walked in the door of the library, and the other students started snickering. (laughs) Okay, what's up? And uh, so they said, "We didn't know you were an author." Yeah, there's a Gary Collins, he's a Christian psychologist. They're like, you got to come see this. And there is a book in the library that said, It's Okay to Be Single by Gary Collins. And I just deadpanned the whole thing. I'm like, I'm working on the sequel. <laughs> Being married is okay too. Now, single people think that If only they could get married, life would be easier. Let me ask the married people in the room. (laughs) I never asked the question yet. You're already responding. (laughs) Marriage is good, but marriage is not easy. But you need to hear this as well. Being single is good, but it's not easy. We need the Lord in our lives, whether we are single or married. At the end of the day, it is always better to feel victorious than to feel defeated. We'll get more on that later. But the Christian standard for singleness is abstinence. And we need to be prepared ahead of time, so that when we have sexual temptation that comes, an opportunity to do wrong, that we would be prepared to run. The Bible teaches us to flee fornication. And sometimes, and I have seen this happen, where someone making a decision to do what is right and to flee fornication, and they run straight into the arms of, of a godly spouse. I can't promise you that that will happen, but I've seen it happen. One lady I knew, she was widowed and she was so lonely and there was a, a man who was interested in her and willing to live with her, but he wasn't so big on marriage and you know, we were just pleading, like, please don't do this. And she didn't. And she ended up getting married to a godly man a, a couple of years later. Moses, was told, we're told in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, that he forsook the temporary pleasures that Egypt had to offer because he considered the reproach of Christ to be a greater reward. There is certainly some pleasure that can be had in our world that is sexual in nature and other things. And the Bible says, yes, it will feel good But it won't feel good afterwards. And there's a greater... We're not saying when you become a Christian that God takes away all of your fun. He actually has something much better in mind for you. The wonderful thing about teaching about abstinence is that it's often a temporary condition. Most things are always right or always wrong. It's wrong to be drunk at age 17, but it's also wrong to be drunk at age 27 or 87. And lying is a sin whether you're single or married. But sex is not a sin when it is placed within marriage. I'm not challenging singles to a lifetime of celibacy, I am challenging you to a lifestyle, a day-to-day decision. This is who you are now. I explain to grades 4 through 12 in this way, and this may seem a little more explicit than you are used to, but I tell kids this. Those parts of your body that you cover up with your underwear, no one else is to see, touch, or taste those parts of your body until you are married. Now, when you are married, as long as there is no third party or porn involved, be naked and not ashamed. Enjoy it. Now, if you are single and have already been sexually active, I want you to know that your life is not ruined your ministry is not over. You will have to deal with regrets and, and regret, but any regret, any shame, there's a remedy for that. While it is certainly true that prevention is still better than the cure, I want you to know that there is a, not. this is not a permanent defeat. But at the end of each day, it's always, always where you know what it's like to get at the end of the day and realize you messed up again. You know, no matter what kind of sin we're talking about, it's always better at the end of the day to have gotten through a situation and feel victorious instead of defeated. I want you to notice in verse 7 that God does use the word here that, Paul says in verse 7, I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God. If you are reading this in Greek, the word is charisma. It is the same word that is used elsewhere as a spiritual gift. And so God has uniquely given you the ability to serve him today as a single And the advantage to being single is the ability to devote more parts of your life to God. Not every single person honors God. And not every marriage honors God. It's okay to be single. It's okay to be married. May God bless each of us, everyone. Bullet point number two. Whether you are single or whether you are married, we need to be in areas of sexuality, if you are single, you need to be faithful for your spouse. If you're married, you might use a different preposition and say, be faithful to your spouse. We are to glorify God with our bodies and with our spirits whether we are single or married. God established marriage in Genesis chapter 2. We don't learn until we get to the book of Ephesians that God had marriage set up to be an illustration of Jesus and the church. We learn here from this chapter that when you are married, you give up Personal ownership of your body. It is a two-way street, by the way. Notice in verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And then it's the exact same wording. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. As married people, your body belongs to your spouse. In matters of sexuality, within marriage, it is biblical, it is good, it is honoring to God, it is a gift from God. And we are taught here in this chapter that you are to only abstain for matters of serious prayer. But we should also know that faithfulness goes way beyond matters of the sexual. Marriage is a lot more than guilt-free sex. Eventually, in fact, in when you took the vow in sickness and in health, eventually your sexual parts, they come to an end. So there better be more to your marriage than that. The first part about saying that we are to be faithful in marriage is that The wife is not to leave, and the husband is not to leave. You have made a commitment to be married. Now, God has a lot of instructions on how our marriages can survive and thrive. But I need to stick to 1 Corinthians 7 today. There are some people in the Corinthian church that were wondering, what if my spouse does not believe? It is wonderful to be a brand new Christian. Everything is new. You have new perspective on life and you start to separate yourself from the old things in your life, but that does not include your old husband. It might change the way you treat him. Marriage is not easy. Did we cover that already? How much harder it is to be married and not be on the same spiritual page? your unbelieving spouse may resent the time the energy that you devote to the church. they may not agree to give your tithes. they may hold you to an unrealistic standard. I have known multiple women, too in particular, and their husbands did not give them an ounce of movement. Like, oh, I see, you're a Christian, and you're going to talk to me like that. I see how this goes. Now, to those of you who are both Christians in your marriage, do you ever get in a little tiff? Anybody get in an argument on the way to church this morning? No, you don't have to answer that. We know that it's part of life. It happens. You're going to have disagreements with the people that you live with. But sometimes being the, the believer in a marriage with an unbeliever, I've seen guys that will say, you know, just bring that up and throw it in their face. It is sad to, to share a lifetime together. It's real human love that is shared. And then be separated for eternity. I know that marriage is not the same in heaven as it is here, but it is a big burden to live with. Now, for a believer, it's always wrong to marry an unbeliever. But what if you become a Christian after you are married? The message is clear from this chapter. Do not leave. If the unbelieving spouse leaves you, you might not be able to prevent it. But don't seek that option. And how do you know? I hope that verse 16 is, a, is an encouragement to you. How do you know, O oh wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O oh husband, whether you will save your wife? Not only did God reach down and save you and rescue you from your sin, but God will use you in ministry to your husband. And one day he will give glory to God because you led him to Christ. God has called us to peace. We should try to live peaceably with with your unsaved spouse. Bullet point three. One of the keys to the Christian life is contentment. So if you are single, there is to be some contentment in being single. And if you are married, there is to be contentment in being married. But even more than that, if you are single, you need to find your contentment in Christ. And if you are married, you need to find your contentment in Christ. I learned to say it this way, you know, I love being among Christians. You know, you just throw out a scripture verse and people know what you're talking about. So if I say Philippians 4:13, somebody's mind is like, "I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength." Or Philippians 4:19, "Oh, my God shall supply all my need." according to his riches and glory. We love those verses. We put them on the walls of our houses. But what if I said Philippians 4.11? You'll know it when you hear it. But before I say it, let me just say, in order to get to Philippians 4.13 and 4.19, you have to get through verse 11, which says, I know how to be abased and how to abound. For I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. Our ultimate hope is not in things of this world. Our ultimate goal is not to be married or single, rich or poor, single or married, we are to serve God and trust him. Your heart may cry out to God, why haven't you given me a wife? Why did my wife leave me? Why hasn't my husband believed? And we, no matter who we are, must have a quiet trust in a sovereign God. Whether one is circumcised or not, a slave or free, no matter what you were when you got saved by Jesus, be content in Jesus. Jesus has delivered you from hell and he has called you his bride. I'm not saying that you as a single person cannot Long for a lover let me tell you my story I was single I was in my late 20s I went through my entire 20s what I felt like was the peak of my life without a single kiss I felt like what a waste I have so many kisses to give no one to kiss I was driving on Route 13, heading south of Sylvan Beach, New York, and I was listening to someone on the radio. It was probably Elizabeth Elliott. And she was talking to single people, and she was saying that maybe we needed to surrender our singleness to God and tell him that that we're willing to stay single. And maybe God would honor that willingness as if it were a test of faith. And once we pass that test of faith, Then he would give us a spouse after we passed it. I I remember turning off that radio knob with a little bit of extra flair and I prayed to God out loud. I said, no. God, I love you. God, I'll serve you. God, I'll trust you. God, I will do what is right. God, I will keep myself pure. And God... If I never get married, I will still trust you and I will still serve you, but I will still be asking for a wife. (laughs) I remember one of the ministries that I contributed to in those days was the Slavic Gospel Association and the the Yoshekis are part of that. And I remember they they called me for, for an annual donation and I was happy to give, and they said, is there anything that we can pray for? And I said, well, I need a wife. <laughs> and there was silence on the other end of the phone, and, and she said, that's what you said last year. <laughs> So I'm not going to give you a different standard than I gave to myself. When I'm telling you to be content, I'm not saying to be content with being single forever. I'm telling you to find your contentment in Jesus. Trust him with every fiber of your existence. Bullet four, we need to be God-centered. I tell this, If you are a single woman, be the kind of a person that would draw the attention of a godly man. And if you are a single man, be the kind of person that would draw the attention of a godly woman. Amy and I began to date, and I went to a Christmas program that was at her church. And because she was busy doing things because it was her church, I was left sitting at a table with her friends so later on, she asked her friends, well, what did you think about Gary? And the word that was used was genuine. I thought, well, I'm not sure if that's a euphemism for boring. <laughs> but I thought, I could do a lot worse. And I know Amy a lot better now than I did then. And I'll tell you, Amy does not enjoy fake And so, even though she might not have been able to articulate it then, being genuine was a very good thing. A couple of years earlier than that, I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in my daily devotions. And I came to verse 29. Which says, "But I want, the, but this I say, brethren: the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none." And I remember closing my Bible, and I was already had things in the works. So I was going to go to Bible college. I narrowed it down to West Virginia or Florida, and then I narrowed it down to Florida. I knew where I was headed, but this verse, I never looked back. The time is short. And God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to let you direct my life. I'm going to follow you, whether I'm married or not. I'm pleased to say on May 18th, 2002, arrived at our wedding reception, 200 of our friends and family gathered around, and I led the entire assembly in prayer. And I don't know what I prayed after this, but I remember my first eight words of that prayer. Dear God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now, 21 years into the Gary and Amy show, I am so thankful. When Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, these new believers were wrestling with these questions about singleness and marriage. Verse 26 says that in this current distress that we are in, I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. You know, the Bible is just as true in the, in the nation of Ukraine as it is here. Or Eritrea. Could you even find that on a map? I'll give you a hint. Eritrea is Arabic for Red Sea. There are married men in jail cells, which are converted shipping containers that have been in jail in Eritrea for being a Christian for over 21 years, over my entire marriage, those married men have been sitting in a jail cell because they are Christians in an Islamic country. Maybe if those young men in that city, maybe they would read this and say, maybe in this current distress, I would be better off remaining single. Maybe in your situation, you need to ask this, God, how can I serve you in my singleness in ways that I could not if I were married? Marriage brings much added responsibility, even under the best of situations. Imagine the Apostle Paul, if he had had a wife while he was thrown in jail repeatedly and beaten up repeatedly and starved and ridiculed and opposed and shipwrecked and eventually executed. there is no wife that endured all of those things with him. My daughter Belle traveled all summer with wind-shaped camp every week setting up at a new place, tearing it down at the end of the week. She was, did this for nine weeks in a row And even though it meant I would only see her for less than three weeks this summer, I told her, this is the time of your life to do something like this. If you are ever part of a Southern Baptist church, you know the name Lottie Moon. She was a missionary in China in the 1800s. And her name is honored every year when Southern Baptist churches receive a missions offering in her name. Lottie had a chance to be married but the guy that she was seeing wasn't quite sure if the Bible was really the inspired word of God or not. At the end of her life she was asked and she said yes but God had first claim on my life and since the two conflicted there could be no question about the result. I have two pages of stuff about Lottie Moon that I'm not going to read, but I will tell you one thing that the president of the Southern Baptist Convention said at the time, I estimate a single woman in China is worth two married men. And all the single women said. (laughs) Here's another couple that I know personally. Wilma and Carl dated in college in the 1950s. But Wilma was sure that God wanted her to be a missionary in Africa. And Carl was sure that God did not want him to be a missionary in Africa. So their relationship did not advance. And Wilma served with Baptist and Missions starting in 1959 in Chad, Africa. And served 12 years as a missionary, pouring her heart into the churches and children there. And then all the missionaries had to leave. And by that time, Carl had also joined Baptist Missions, and neither one of them had ever married. So 15 years later, Wilma and Carl Abbott served with Campus Bible Fellowship on campuses in the United States and Australia for their entire marriage. And today, Wilma is widowed and still. On the roll at Baptist Mid Missions. The instruction is to give your life to God, regardless of any other status. I will say to the singles in the room if you are not spirit controlled now, you won't be then. To the married people in the room, seek God's instructions that you are to be each for the other and both for the Lord. To the widows in the room, it's okay to be married again. And it's okay if you're not. I want you to know that in, I've been a part of four churches in my life. And in all four of them, the godliest people in the churches were not the pastors. They were widows in their 80s. Those women are precious. In all four of those churches, I could put faces and names to them. They trusted God in ways that no one else knew how to do. We sang the song earlier, Some Through the Fire, Some Through the Flood. That was an itinerant pastor and his wife. They returned home from traveling and their house had been burned to the ground. And he had an enemy that opposed him, like a a human enemy that opposed him throughout most of his ministry. Later on, the publisher of the music was tracking down these old hymn writers and they found out that his widow was living in a poorhouse somewhere in Missouri and he went to visit like this is not right that the that the author of, of God leads his dear children along is abandoned in this poorhouse and she said oh i this is such a great place to be every month new people are coming in here that are so disappointed in their lives and they don't know Jesus yet. And this widow was leading people to the Lord on a regular basis. We all need to be in the place where we say, I trust you, Lord, with my life. No matter in what way you're disappointed in the circumstances that have happened to you, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to love God, I'm going to surrender my life to God. I promise you, whether you are single or married, that God understands and cares, and you are not left out of his plan for his church. You are not less of a person or less of a church member, no matter what your relationship status is. Did you know that Jesus never married? You say, well, that's different. But Jesus was a perfect man. His marital status did not make him less of a man. I promise you I have no person in mind But I believed as I was preparing this message that at least one person that is single would hear this message and would cry out from your heart to God's heart and be able to say, God, how can I serve you uniquely in this time of my life when I am single? I believe that God not only can change your heart in the matter, but he will use you to change the world. As God has given you this time of your life to serve him as a single adult. To the married people in the room, each for the other and both for the Lord. Oh, darling. Sweetheart, let the angels record vows sweetly spoken. May they never be broken, each for the other, and both for the Lord. Father, thank you for being involved in our lives moving us, changing us, challenging us, being with us when life is not what we expected, being with us when life is great. Lord, I pray that all of us will be able to love you with our whole hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please stand with me to sing.